0: Have no fear of missing out. The shows about FOMO, you hosted by can tell you what you don't know. And now your host, I social Fans. Welcome back to another episode of the FOMO Fans Podcast. Uh, As you guys know, it's a fun transitional stage. It's also my crazy conference schedule stage, so I I apologize for missing last week's episode. But um, we're here back again, and uh, it's going to be a fun little topic today because we're going to talk a little bit about uh, something that I haven't really shared publicly, and it's something I've been doing for a couple years, and I'm going to give you guys some download tips and even direct examples of why I have my iPad and a notebook on my coffee table... While I'm binge watching Netflix or even HBO in this case, but uh, before we get to that, you know, this is this show is, is so much fun, and I'm so excited to be able to uh, you know have this conversation with everyone that's out there. I thank you guys so much for uh, always supporting the show. We are going to be uh, kind of shaking things up a little bit here on the FOMO Fans Podcast, uh, including kind of a, a rebranding, name change that you guys will be excited to see. Uh, we're also going to see some more interview shows. I'm lining up some interviews right now, so um, stay tuned for all of that. But I want to kind of talk to you about, I was thinking about this while I was watching Game of Thrones. And just for those that are listening, I promise no spoilers for this year's Game of Thrones if you haven't watched uh, the first two episodes. Um, I'm one that doesn't like fantasy for the most part. I don't like um, you know, dragons or goblins or uh, mummies, but I fell in love with Game of Thrones during season two, and I'm a diehard Game of Thrones fan. I watch almost every episode multiple times. But what I wanted to kind of talk about is, I, I, I say I share this a lot on the show, but one of the things is that I love storytelling, and part of the reason I love to study storytelling is that I believe the audience always changes. Therefore, the story must always change and adapt. Therefore, you could never actually be perfect with storytelling. And of course, I believe perfection's a fairy tale, but I believe every, you know, if we could go back to some of the greatest uh, talks in history, Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s talk or Steve Jobs' um, conversation about the iPod, and if you put that in a different arena, you put it with a different audience, maybe a different demographic, maybe you switch the idea from a live audience to a, uh, a video audience, the, the story changes, the way that we deliver that story changes. And so for me, one of the hobbies that I've had over the last multiple years is I actually take notes. During all of the TV programs that I watch, and I know it's kind of a ridiculous thing, because for me with my ADHD, binge watching TV is usually like my escape. It's my it's my ability to not overthink about work or life. Um, it's something that I really enjoy. I'm one that I'm a I love. Uh, you know, One of my favorite hobbies is uh, binge-watching television shows. But on top of that, I also look at TV shows, I look at movies, I look at documentaries, documentaries probably more so than anything else recently, um, and I try to study them. And I try to study them from multiple different facets. And over the years, I've come up with kind of my own note-taking. And so when I'm watching a TV show or I'm watching a documentary, I actually take notes on certain things. And, and, and I'm going to set you guys up on why I do that and then how I take the notes and then how I implement it. And funny enough, this podcast is influenced uh, often, oftentimes by the shows that I watch or uh, the documentaries that I'm currently uh, consuming. And it's, it's, for me, it's always about adapting and, and studying the, the great people that are doing great things. And I'm a big believer that you must consume more content than you create. And I create a lot of content but I consume a lot of content, a lot of Instagram stories. I participate in Twitter chats. I watch a lot of LinkedIn videos. Not only did I create those videos, but I also consume a lot of great storytelling. And so when someone tells me, Brian, this is a great documentary, or Brian, this is a great, um, you know, and I and I try to look at things, you know, beyond marketing. Like what is, what are the, what what's the angle that someone's going to? And so this is how I kind of break down that storytelling. And I have a notepad on my coffee table that I actually reference during all of the shows that I and. So Sometimes I'll just take little notes like, ooh, I, I loved that they gave a little teaser uh, in the promo, but really that, that show had nothing to do about that teaser. Like they did a great job of throwing us off or whatever it may be. And so when I'm when I'm doing this, and, and it really came forward uh, during three different things that I've watched this past week. And I really, you know, I, I've watched now about 40 documentaries this year. Uh, a lot of them, the murder mystery, uh, you know, uh, documentaries that are on Netflix and HBO. Uh, everything from serial to uh, making of a murderer. But I've also been really working at documentaries about experiences, documentaries about people and places. And so there was three things that I watched over the last. Um, seven days that I took a lot of notes from, and I took notes and very strategically, and I can tell you I went and updated my website based on watching these three things. And and the three things that I was watching, one of them was Game of Thrones, of course, the TV show that is widely popular in their last season on HBO. The second one was the Brene Brown documentary. Uh, Most of you have heard me mention Brene Brown many times on this show. I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, She's a visionary in uh, vulnerability, in discussing authenticity, helping people get the most out of themselves. And she has a documentary on Netflix, which I think is beyond inspiration. It's so neat to see somebody that is not a comedian and not someone that is like a big celebrity. Like Netflix is actually giving a, a inspirational speaker their own their own series or their own um, you know special on Netflix, and I I was blown away by that, that 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 special. And then the third one was actually a funny one that you guys might surprise about, but it was the Beyonce Homecoming documentary. So I was watching the three these three shows: Game of Thrones, Bernie Brown's. Um, Uh, you know, special on Netflix, and then Beyonce's Homecoming documentary, which was her live concert, uh, the two-day headliner concert that she did at Coachella. And so I was watching all three of these, and, and you can imagine all three of these are completely different genres, completely different demographics, completely different audiences. And I noticed some patterns in my note-taking and I wanted to share them with you because I think these are ways that you know and it might not be TV shows it might be the next event that you go to. it might be the next podcast you're listening to and you want to you want to study this podcaster and so I break down when I'm taking notes on these three shows, I broke down really the 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 substance of my notes into three different things. The first one being the message. What is the message of that show or that episode? Right. So I'm I'm trying to understand the direct message. What is the takeaway? What is the what is that emotion? What is that feeling? The second thing that I kind of take notes on is the delivery of that message. So in Game of Thrones, it's things like studying the camera position and why whenever one of the one of the scenes had um, one of the characters was telling the story. That the audience already knew. Therefore, the the delivery from the the producer was not on the person telling the story. Rather, the camera was focused on Jon Snow, the person that was receiving this information for the first time, because the audience had already heard this message, right? So studying that delivery, why did they put the camera there? How did it change my emotion? And so I study that delivery. And then the third thing that I I like to study is the overall production, or, or I would say the video production. How was the editing of the show done? How are, How did they tease the show out? What does the promo video look like? What is the description of the episode? How, what did they call out in the description of the episode? And then what was the actual episode about? And how did they link those things together? And I really, you know, this is really geeky of me, but I, I kind of break that down. But before I watch each show, and just so you guys understand how I do this, I try to watch the The shows each one i 've watched each one of these shows the first time without taking very many notes. I took very little notes the first time I watched uh, episode one of Game of Thrones, the first time I watched the Bre- Brene Brown special and the first time I watched the Beyonce special. I took a couple of like ooh, make sure I go back to here. So I watched the first one as and for entertainment for consumption, just for my own enjoyment i want I want to really just consume it i don 't want to overthink and then afterwards. I kind of sit back and I'm like, okay, that that was interesting. But before I watch it that first time, I do take a note and I say, what do I believe the success... Of this one piece of content is what is what is the goal of episode one of Game of Thrones? Right, is it setting up? Is it setting up the the rest of the season? Is it tying things together from the previous season? And I try to determine what that success is before I watch it, so that I'm kind of guessing at what I think they're doing, and then at the end of that episode after I watch the first run through, I. I take notes on my feelings and my emotions, and I try to grade myself on what I thought their vision was and then what what was actually accomplished, right? And the Beyonce homecoming documentary was a funny one because when I read the description and I heard the vibe around this Beyonce live concert documentary and the fact that she was the executive producer on it, what I thought she was doing from a success perspective was highlighting um, her journey from, from motherhood back into the stage. And I, and I really thought it was a, it was going to be a deep dive into who she was. And really, I thought her goal on that was to show people that she's back and that motherhood didn't change her. And that, you know, that that's really what I thought the success of that, that documentary was going to be about. And then I watched it the very first time, just from a consumption perspective, and i was completely wrong and i and i took notes because it was really about Um, her dedication to her culture and her belief and her passion and it was also about the idea that motherhood had changed her and she was going to be okay with sharing that motherhood had changed her and she had to learn different things about her body and and so what I thought success was for her on this documentary going into it was completely different than the feeling I had afterwards and I and I took those notes down for me to kind of remember because these are things you know as content creators as marketers as storytellers we have to start to think about How do we set people up? How do we deliver the story? And then how do we recap the story? Or or what are the emotions that we are are trying to to evoke? And this is extremely important in this digital world right now, because I, I say this a lot, you know, capturing someone's attention is extremely hard. But I believe the hardest part is maintaining someone's attention, right? How do you get someone to come back and watch uh, Game of Thrones every single Sunday as soon as it's on, right? Like, I was counting down the minutes to episode two of Game of Thrones. And why is that? Like, what have they done in their storytelling? What have they done in their marketing? What have they done in their social media? What have they done in the amplification of their characters and even the merchandise? Like, how have they connected all of those dots to where they, they've evoked this emotion where it's beyond FOMO. It's an addiction. It's, a, it's something that I look forward to. I put it on my calendar, right? And so for us as storytellers, that's the ultimate. Like, that's the pinnacle. And so I love studying this. And so the Beyonce documentary was a fun one. Uh, I've now watched that documentary three times. And part of it, it was for me, was... You know, her the the documentary does an amazing job of it's two different nights of Coachella and one night her band and her all of her dancers wore gold, the other night all of her dancers and the band wore pink. And the, the production of this documentary, the editing of this documentary, how she conveyed her message without having to do a lot of voiceover, it was really letting the concert do the talking for her, but doing it in the, in the editing process, doing it in the documentary process. And so much so that I, I thought it was really interesting is she talked about the fact that when she was setting up the stage, when she was configuring the concert, she was also thinking about where she wanted the documentary cameras to be how she wanted to convey this this concert to- to a digital audience on Netflix. And I think that is so powerful because as storytellers, yes, her concert for the live audience at Coachella was her main objective, right? To put on an amazing concert for those that are watching live. But it does not mean that you can't set things in motion to make the secondary product, which was this documentary, valuable as well, right? That's a lesson learned for all of us. And I do that with everything that I do, right? Every time I'm you know, I'm creating a podcast right now, I have my vlog cam. Are going like I thought about before I, I recorded this episode, I thought, okay, Brian, what aspects of this podcast do I want to vlog? And then I said, okay, what aspects of this podcast do I want to cut up and make into a LinkedIn video, right? So my number one piece of content is the audio for you guys that are listening. But I also wanted to think about the secondary, the video of me recording this, right? And I wanted to second, even the third element of this is what pieces of this, of this podcast am I going to transcribe so that I can make a blog post out of it, right? And so these are things as storytellers we have to start thinking about because I believe Brene Brown did this amazingly in her documentary. I believe Beyoncé killed it. But I also think Game of Thrones, if you look at the Game of Thrones uh, content on the HBO uh, channel, on the HBO On Demand, they did an amazing job of behind the scenes. And one of the things that blew my mind was they were going through these crazy you know, 12-hour stretches uh, with these actors and getting these actors to be you know on set for 12 hours a day but as soon as they would they would yell cut they would actually pull the actor off to the side and they would interview them for the behind the scenes footage right after they finished recording a scene so they could get that raw emotion and for me this blew my mind because this is a giant production where they're pushing these actors to the limits, but they're not only thinking about the product that is delivered in the episode of the show, but they're thinking about, ooh, let's, let's think about the support materials. Let's have someone doing the interviews at every set every day. Let's make sure that our handlers of our actors know that whenever they yell cut and they're done acting at that moment, it doesn't mean that their responsibilities are done. And as a speaker, this is something that I think events don't do very well, Right when I come off stage as a speaker, they should be doing a testimonial video of me talking about my my feeling with the audience. Then they should have me doing an interview with a sponsor and kind of connecting those dots. Right, like I think we we too often we get overwhelmed by content because we think we have to create a lot of individual content. But I think if you study some of these things like the Beyonce documentary, you can realize that. The the real execution of this content was that was that live show. Now, one of the other things about Beyonce that blew my mind was she spent four months rehearsing just the dance moves. And then after she had the dance moves down, she spent four months incorporating the dance moves with the band that she wanted to work with. And this is Beyonce. And, you know, if you want to think about practicing storytelling, I mean it was she spent eight months, ten hours a day. Rehearsing and practicing and going over everything to make it as close to perfect as she could for something that had a two-day uh, evergreen window, right? It was two days of, of headlining Coachella. She was the first African-American woman to ever uh, headline Coachella. And to me, this was so inspiring because, you know, as a speaker, as a content creator, we oftentimes underestimate the importance of rehearsal, the importance of practice, and if Beyonce's spending eight months making something so dynamic for two days' worth of delivery, we have to start upping our rehearsal. We have to start investing more in our practice in refining our storytelling. I mean, she went down to the point where she interviewed every single dancer. She went to the point where she knew on stage where she wanted to be for certain elements of the song, not only because of where it was going to be best for the audience, but also where the documentary video was going to be so that she could best play into both the audience and the secondary content. And so these are things that I take notes on when I'm watching shows. And sometimes it can be a a comedy show where I'm like, ooh, how did they incorporate comedy in the lead up? You know, sometimes it can be a, a, a documentary where I say, okay, the documentary. What was the spin of this documentary? Like, was it a spin because they thought this person was innocent, or because they thought this person was guilty, or they thought that the the justice system was wronged, or was their objective to show that they are a great document documentary videographer, right? Like, and and I love like trying to dive in to the true why of a piece of content. Like, right? like why did they they create this? And Game of Thrones is great at that, right? Because I want to know when they're telling these stories about different characters. Is it to give us more background of the character? Is it to set something up in future episodes? And I will tell you, Game of Thrones does this amazingly, right? They 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 used quotes and songs and different things in season one, 15 years ago, that they're now calling back in in the season finale. And those of us that are diehard Game of Thrones fans, it jumps out at us. Out at us. But if you think about that practice, if you think about how much studying they've done there, there's so much power in that. And if the reason that these shows are great, the reason that we that we cap they capture our attention and they maintain our attention, is not just because there's dragons and there's great CGI and um, everyone's talking about Game of Thrones it's because of these little elements of storytelling. It's about studying and understanding their characters, understanding that if you're doing a three video uh, camera shoot, it's different than a solo camera shoot, right? And the idea that if we only have one camera, we have, it's going to be a different story. The, the audience is going to feel different than if we're doing multiple cameras from different angles. And these are things that I love to study. And so I told you, I break it down into these three categories, message, message, delivery, delivery, and then video production. And I wanted to give you guys a couple of things that I try to write down with everything that I watch. And like I said, I watch the first time just for my enjoyment, for consumption. And then I try to go back and watch it a second time or maybe even a third time and study the storytelling. And, and for many of you, you're like, wait a second, you're binge watching a show, then you're going back and watching it again and again. Like, how do you have the time for that? And, and here's the simple answer is how I have the time for it is, I believe that storytelling, my creation of content, is my number one lead generator. And I, I, I believe it's it's not only what I'm saying, but how I'm saying it, how I'm building up the tension, how I'm releasing the tension, how I'm bringing you guys on my journey, but I'm also not giving you too much or not enough, and how I'm uh, always trying to tweak and adjust. And so some of the things that I take notes on, some of the things that I um, is that I really want to kind of give you guys a little bit of feedback on is that... I try to really record my feeling and emotion throughout the episodes of different shows, right? Like, what is my emotion? Is my emotion excitement? Is my emotion uh, scared for a character? Why am I scared for that character? If that character is a bad guy, why all of a sudden, you know, I'm somebody that, you know, wants to change the world with good people doing good stuff, what did what did this show do in that character development to get me to care about the bad guy? Right, like why do I care about uh, the Lannisters when the Lannisters are, are evil people? Right, and like that, and for those that know Game of Thrones, they know that. So I believe you're know, writing down the emotion, and if you this is a great place to start. If you think about it, the next time you watch a TV show or a documentary, just try to think about your emotion going into it. Like how are you thinking, when you read the description and you're clicking on making of a murderer the first, before you watch the first episode, what, are your, what is your emotion at that moment? Are you curious? Are you like, oh God, another murder, you know, another murder documentary, or a true crime documentary? And record your doc your emotion to start, and then record your emotion afterwards. And then try to link back things that they did in that show or in that one hour or in that two hours that that led you to that emotion. Because these are things that we can incorporate in our marketing, in our content creation. We can even incorporate it in our sales pitch. We can even incorporate Incorporated in the the words that we use on our website. And I'm like, I mean, I know I'm a major geek. and, And for some of you guys, I'm probably overwhelming you. And you're like, Jesus, Brian, why are you going this deep? But part of the reason is that I said this before, capturing people's attention is hard. Maintaining people's attention in a digital world where we have more distraction than ever before is extremely hard. And so the challenge is we need to be better storytellers. We need to invest in the craft. We need to start to understand what relates today. Why do people have that cult-like feeling for one show versus another show? Does it have to do with the actors? And so I, so one of the things I want you guys to think about is feeling and emotion. The other one is I talked a little bit about, I, I, I look, to look at the marketing of an episode of a show, and then I try to say, OK, what is, what is success of that show? And then at the end of the show, I try to write down what I thought the success of that show was, right? Like so like for season 1 or for season this season of Game of Thrones, episode 1, I was thinking that they were doing that they were gonna use this episode to set up the remainder of the season since it's the last uh, season of Game of Thrones, and it's much anticipated. That was my idea of what they were gonna do going into that episode. but after the episode was over, what I figured out was it really wasn't a setup episode rather it was a it, it was combining because it had been two years almost two years since the 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 last season had ended, really, what they were doing was they were they were giving us kind of a holistic view of each character and where they were in the journey of of Game of Thrones and so rather than it being a preview episode, it was much more of a recap episode, which I found interesting because a lot of their marketing and a lot of their even their show descriptions was setting up for the future and so it's something to think about like imagine that as a marketer or imagine that in our world today. You can set people up to be excited about the future, but you can create content that gets them understanding where you're at today, right? It doesn't have to be either or. And so that's something I I think that, that you need to kind of document. Another thing that I love to document when I'm watching shows is what changed or what surprised me. With Brene Brown, that was a very interesting one. I've seen Brene Brown present um, in person uh, twice, which I was blown my mind. I also read and consume everything that she puts out there. I'm a, a big fan. Uh, she's kind of helped me um, inspire me to, you know. F- face my own vulnerabilities and put my vulnerabilities out there. And so one of the things I wanted to document during uh, when I was watching her special was what surprised me? What things did she say or what things did she deliver? And there was a couple things that surprised me. Even one of the ways that surprised me was how she worked the stage. Because yes, this was a live audience, but this was definitely set up for Netflix. And I felt like there was a couple times where Brene was was doing a mannerism that was much more for the video than it was for the live audience and that kind of surprised me as a speaker and it wasn't a good thing or a bad thing it was just something that I took note from because when you're doing that maybe for her for Brene and and I don't know the answer to this but it could have been that the the primary piece of content although there was a live audience was the Netflix documentary, right? So the Netflix documentary is what she was catering to first. The live audience was secondary, right? And, and I don't know I don't know the exact answer of that, but that was something I did notice. And these are things that important to write down because one of the things that you must remember is that when you're creating content today and maybe you're creating content where you're creating a video, but you're going to do it for a blog and, and you're taking pictures as well. You have to, you have to visualize what that final piece of content looks like so that you're making sure that you cater to your primary audience, your primary delivery method, method primary first. Right. And so that's something that I was studying with that one. Another thing that I like to, to really kind of hone in with is what was the target audience? Who was the people that this episode was trying to reach? And then another piece of this was, what was their ultimate goal, right? And, and I even do this with, with people tweeting out, right? And we have Donald Trump uh, tweeting, uh, you know, all the time. Uh, Elon Musk was somebody that I study. And every time he tweets, every time Elon Musk's Post something on Twitter, one of the things that I try to analyze is what is the goal of that tweet for Elon? And I believe he is a mad genius. And I don't think he puts anything out there that isn't strategic, right? And so sometimes I'll see something and people will say, oh my goodness, he's just saying that to be outlandish. He's just saying that because he wants to be on the front page of newspapers. And when I, or, you know, front page of blogs, or he wants people to write about it. But then when I dive a little bit deeper, I start thinking about things like, ooh, you know why he tweeted that? Was because he wants to get the regulator's attention. And, and yes, he probably can't make that happen in three years, but the reason he boldly put that out there on Twitter was because he wants the regulators to start working on that today, believing that he's going to execute it on three years. Because he knows that if he tells people it's really going to take 10 years, the regulators are just going to put it off, and they're never going to set those things up. And so I love diving in to understanding target audience, target objective of different storytelling, of different messages. And I think this is something that we we have to kind of look at as storytellers and break these things down. So I know I'm a little bit of a geek, and I, and I hopefully you guys enjoy this me breaking this piece down, but I, I think it's something that we can all learn from, and, and it's, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's the next book that you're reading. Before you read your next book, write down, based on the book cover, based on what people told you about the book, what you believe the success of this book is, and then what you think your emotion will be at the end, and what you, you're most excited to take away from this book. And then read the book, enjoy the consuming of that book. And then afterwards, go back to your notes and write down your current feelings and and did something change? And if something changed or something surprised you, take a note of that and then look at it into our own life and say, okay, if, if my goal is to get somebody, and this is something I do on stage as a perfect example, most of the time, whenever I talk about millennials or generations... Part of what I wear on stage, and I can tell you, from the hat that I wear to the color shirt that I wear to the color shoes I wear to how I introduce myself to the fact that I use a Bitmoji on a slide versus not using a Bitmoji, every single one of those are methodical and strategic because I want to evoke a certain emotion from a crowd. And oftentimes, the emotion I want to evoke from people is i want people to be like oh my god another millennial oh my god another guy that's just going to get up there and, and talk to us about selfies and and i and i almost want people to lower the bar to be kind of like um you know have that feeling of like they're not really looking forward to hearing me talk but they're going to sit through it and and I, and i like invoking that emotion because for me whenever i have somebody you know hating me or someone judging me they they think of me very uh, you know very little and by the end of a presentation, if I'm doing my job correctly, I'm going to inspire them, I'm going to motivate them, I'm going to educate them. And by the end of it, they're going to turn into my fan. And for me, the reason I, t- I get people that really love me on stage, I believe you know I believe I'm a great speaker, I, I, and I say that you, know, as trying to say that without an ego, I, I do believe that I'm very unique. Uh, With how I deliver my message on stage is something I work hard on, but I also try to take people on a long journey. Because if you think about it, if someone kind of likes you and then they love you, they only went a little bit further. You know, their emotional attachment is very little. But for me, if someone comes in there, they hate me, they judge me, they're unsure who I am, and when they leave there, they fell in love with my message. They want to listen to my podcast. Think about how far I took them on that emotional journey. And because I took them on such a long journey, their advocacy for me, their passion for me, their connection to me, their, their ability to think that I was so amazing is, is, is much greater. And I think that's part of the storytelling that we have to do in this digital age. It's much more than just what we say, it's much more than just the medium. Like, it, just because it's on video doesn't mean you can't play, use things that are done offline to make your video better, right? Like, why not look away from the camera? not just looking into the camera all the time why not put the camera off to the side or maybe even have someone else holding the camera or for me one of the things that I've noticed that works on LinkedIn is if it's a static video where I have the camera set up on a tripod I don't get much engagement on those videos but if I'm walking and talking and holding my phone myself I get a lot of engagement with those on video well why is that well people, I, I believe the emotion that I invoke on LinkedIn is that people assume that it, I, I needed to deliver this message. So, you know, it was so important to me to share this, that I just cranked it out no matter where I was at. And I was willing to talk in front of all these people walking around me. And, and it almost invokes that emotion of curiosity, where if they see me standing in front of a backdrop, and it's a very formal video, they're like, oh, okay, that's just another one of Brian's pieces of content. He's delivering his thought leadership. And so I want to kind of tell you guys, like these are things that we as storytellers. It's the reason I love storytelling. It's the reason uh, I, you know, I love binge watching shows. And, and for me, this is all about just improving, improving my ability to relate with you, the audience, improving my ability to understand. And you know, my focus, my mission in life, is to inspire digital empathy. The idea that technology, social media, uh, TV, digital innovation will, should not make us less. Less empathetic. It should actually make us more empathetic. We should be able to feel at a deeper level because we have all of these all of this data and we have all of this access that we can't get anywhere else. But part of our problem is we we immediately assume that because this is done by like the HBOs doing Game of Thrones and I'm creating content from my mobile phone that we're in two different worlds and I can't learn from them. And I think that's wrong. I think the way that we connect with audiences. It's, it is about a human connection. And I don't care if you have HBO's budget or you have iSocial fans' budget, which is mine, which is very little budget. Um, it's about understanding people. How do we connect with them? How do we connect with them emotionally? How do we understand when we should use technology versus not use technology? When should we? edit something really detailed, edit something, versus let the rawness of it happen. I'm a big, I love live video. I think live video is a game changer for marketing. But I also believe in production video. And I believe if you are a great editor of video, there is a place for that today. And doing long form video with great editing and great production value is really important today. But I also think live video can be very important. It's different audiences, different storytelling, different methods. But one of the things that I believe probably more so than anything else, is that if you're not consuming content with the idea of learning, how it impacts you, how it impacts others, you're going to still be telling storytelling stories the way that we told stories years ago. And there's no offense. this isn't me um, putting things out there you know uh, to be to cause controversy. But I, I firmly believe that in the day and age that we're in today, the, the skill of being a great storyteller in 2019 is a much different skill than it was in 2010, in 2000, in 1990, and I believe great storytellers, great leaders, great inspirational people, some of them would have transcended the medium, but there are others that would have really struggled in today's day and age. They would have understood how to convey their message in a, digital, in a digital way. How do they get to the point? How do they connect to all of these things? And so for all of us that are out there, I all I believe every single person that's listening to this podcast right now has a story to tell. There's two parts of this. The first one is you have to first discover your story and be willing to put yourself out there at its true authentic self. The second part of it is You need to start studying storytelling. How can you convey your message? How can you get better at telling a story? Just because, you know, for me, I worked in the Department of Defense for nine years in cybersecurity one of the things that I realized recently was I don't leverage that experience and that story very well in my content or on my website. But when I go on stage or when I'm pitching myself as a keynote speaker in a regulated industry, I tell that story very well. And what I discovered is I'm great at telling that story when it's coming out verbally from my mouth. But when it comes needs to come across written, or it needs to come across visually in um, in pictures or in visual content on Instagram, I struggle. And so this is for me an area where I need to increase my storytelling ability because my bottom line is I can get more speaking gigs if more people can relate to my experience in the Department of Defense. And so that's my challenge for everyone that's listening to this. Look at all of the things that you things you read, things that you watch, things that you listen to and start asking yourself, why do I subscribe to that podcast? Why do I watch that TV show? Why do I tweet about that um, you know whatever that piece of book? Why do I why am I reading this book and so excited to share about it on Instagram stories? What ev- what ev- what emotion evoked me to share this book on Instagram stories? And then how can I create that same emotion with my My audience for my product and my service. This is the fun part of storytelling. There is no perfection. I do not have an exactly right area of doing it, but I can tell you, I use things like Beyonce's documentary, Brene Brown's special, and Game of Thrones. I take notes. I I try to record and learn from every different aspect so that I can always improve my delivery, always change and adjust so that I can hopefully inspire, motivate, and educate you guys the best that I know how. So hopefully you guys enjoy this. Uh, This is my version of geeking out. I've actually never talked about uh, how I do this. I have a couple of notepads that I've burned through, uh, you know, a couple hundred pages of notes from different shows that I've watched. Some of the notes are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are, they make no sense. Uh, Sometimes I've changed and I've realized it was wrong. But for me, it's this idea that if I can study what relates with me personally and what emotions things invoke in me, then I can also incorporate they, that in my marketing. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of FOMO Fans. As always, if you guys feel compelled to love this show, share it out on social media. Make sure you tag me. Uh, if you really like this show, I would love a, a review on iTunes. Uh, review on iTunes help more people uh, see this show, get, discover this content. And like I said, stay tuned. We're going to be doing some, we're going to be shaking some things up here on the FOMO Fans podcast. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a name change. We're going to pivot a little bit of the content. But one thing I can promise you guys is the overall goal for me is the same. I want to connect with you guys. I want to hopefully uh, provide value in a consistent format that you can. You don't have to follow me on every single channel. I I I ask you to follow me on your favorite social network and then subscribe to this podcast. And this is the content I'm dedicated to creating and sharing. And soon I'm gonna be doing some fun conversations with other people. I'm not gonna be doing interviews per se rather i'm going to bring in some thought leaders that are in my world and we're going to have conversations about different topics that i really think are going to be uh, extremely valuable valuable for you guys the audience so until next time make it a great day remember my friends go above and beyond to tell people that you care let people know that you enjoy their content that you they by them sharing something it impacted you you'd be amazed how much a thank you how much a showing you care can help change the world or simply make One person's day better. Cheers.